Good morning, good morning, good morning. Happy Resurrection Day. I hear good news. Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. News. Hey, if I haven't met you yet, I just want to welcome you here. Thank you so much for being a part of our church. I know that if you are here and uh, you haven't come here in a while or someone invited you, it's because we truly do believe that what is in Scripture is from God himself and that it is God opening his heart to us to share his goodness and his mercy towards mankind. And if someone's brought you here and you're not a Christian, we're just so happy that you're here that you can hear the good news of Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ was God. That is part of the amazing message of Easter, that not only is he God, but that he lived the perfect life that you and I couldn't live. That's the gospel. The gospel is the 33 years that Jesus lived, the historical Jesus, 33 years of perfection. How many of you have got through 33 minutes of perfection? Right? None of us. But Jesus got through 33 years of it because he is perfect and he is holy. And he lived that life on our behalf because we couldn't. And then he went to the cross to pay the debt that we owe because none of us have walked perfectly. All of us have, have lived in some kind of brokenness. All of us have what we call sinned, messed up, missed the mark. And so Jesus took the punishment of that, the, the guilt that we have before God on the cross. Good Friday, which we celebrated just a few days ago, we, we went into detail of the reality of what the crucifixion was for Jesus. What he went through is beyond human comprehension. We're talking about somebody who literally was, was healing people, loving people, forgiving people, inviting anybody that you could think of, sinner, uh, even the religious individual who made religion their God instead of God their actual God. Jesus came to proclaim that anybody could have salvation. And he loved literally the unlovable. And because of this, the, the religious wing at that time saw Jesus as a threat to their finances, to their religious institution. And so they put Jesus through several uh, several trials, all of them, six of them, were false, were messed up, were not really even legal. And then we know that Pilate himself, as he encountered Jesus, could tell that there was something special about this man. And he himself said, I find Jesus to be innocent. And so he thought in his mind, as he stood on a stage just like this in front of the crowds, here on one side is Jesus, and here on the other side is a man by the name of Barabbas. Who would you take? And the crowds cheered, give us Barabbas, give us the unlawful guy. And instead, you, you, instead of the, the man who deserves punishment and deserves death, he's, he's let free. And Jesus instead goes to the cross on our behalf. Scripture tells us that it was for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. When he endured that cross and that beating and that suffering, there was joy in his heart knowing that that death and his soon-to-be resurrection would give you and give me and give the entire world, if they would believe upon Jesus in faith, they would find salvation and they would find peace. And then we know the rest of the story, right? Jesus is beaten. He is made bloody. The scriptures literally tell us. Isaiah prophesied. His beard was plucked out from the root. He was made to look as if he wasn't even human. He was unrecognizable. To ensure that he is dead, a... a, a uh, Spear is thrust underneath Jesus's rib cage, right into his heart. Blood and water flow. He is dead, dead, dead. And then we know that he's placed into a tomb 
with a large rock that essentially is unmovable. And two women go on that third day, this Sunday that we're here today celebrating. A couple women go to the tomb and they find that it is empty. And the angel is standing there and is saying, essentially, what are you doing here? Don't you know that he is not here, but he is resurrected? And then the reality is the scripture tells us that Jesus appeared later to 500 other individuals. That he kept appearing over about a 40-day period to other people to prove that he truly is resurrected. Now what I want to do this morning is I want to take one particular disciple. One particular follower of Jesus. A follower of Jesus who, who was excited to follow Jesus. Wanted to follow Jesus. And then when Jesus died on the cross... He turned away from the Lord. Some of you might know this man. Some of you might be familiar with this man because he has a familiar name. His familiar name is Doubting Thomas. He doubted. And some of you may be here this morning. You might be doubting just like Thomas. Now, I want to pray real quick in part because I've got to settle my own heart. I asked my kids to pray for me last night. Uh, only two of them took me up on it. One of them was my daughter. <laughs> One of them was my daughter. She was so sweet. Lord, I just want to pray for my daddy, right? Just perfect perfection. And then my, one of my other sons, I won't name which one, but you could guess who. He says, Lord, I pray my dad doesn't sweat much tomorrow. So I'd like to add to that prayer. Let's pray. Lord, the psalmist in Psalm 139 says, you have searched me and you've known me. The psalmist knew that when he was sitting down or whether he was rising up, that you knew his thoughts. You knew his path. You knew when he was lying down. You were the one who was acquainted with all of his ways. You know his words. Lord David literally says, where can I go from your spirit and where shall I flee from your presence? This morning, may we recognize that you're searching all of our hearts, including my own. You know our struggles. You know our anxieties. You know what wakes us up at night. You know what our idols are. You know the things we worry about, whether that's our own family or our budgets or our future. And in this moment, we know that you want to give us resurrected hope. So would you use Thomas, who walked with you and knew you, who saw your death, who doubted, and then later believed, would you use him as an example of how we should follow you, Lord, and we trust you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. If you want a Bible, the guys have some in the back. Just keep your hand up. And I want you to go to John chapter 20. What's quite amazing about the Gospel of John, first of all, if you are someone who is searching for who Jesus is, we would tell you that the Gospels is a great place to go. And the Gospels include the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. These are individuals, for the most part, who walked with Jesus. John writes this particular eyewitness account, if you will, and he has 21 chapters in this book. I don't mention that just for your own education. I mention it because out of the 21 chapters in John, and out of the 33 years that Jesus lived, John only covers 21 to 22 days of Jesus' life. That's it. The gospel writers are very detailed, very, very intentional at what they put in Scripture and what they leave out. 
So it's important for us when we look at a particular text that we understand that it's in, the, it's in this book because it's really, 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 really important. And John has chosen near the climax at the end of this gospel to mention this individual by name, Thomas. And as we come to our text this morning, we find out something about the resurrected Jesus. That Jesus, he basically appears to these disciples and one of them happens to not be there. That's Thomas. Let's read from John 20, and I want you to go to verse 19. On the evening of that day, that's his resurrected day, that's today. Uh, the first day of the week, the doors being locked, so they were in a room. Why they were in a room with doors locked? They were scared. They were afraid. Why? Because they saw what happened to Jesus, and they believed they were next. So now here they are in a locked room. And in this locked room, it literally tells us they were fearful because of the Jews. And in this locked room, Jesus came and stood among them and declared to them, peace with you. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And the disciples were glad and they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them, peace with you. As the Father has sent me, now I'm sending you. He commissions them. And when he had said this, he breathed on them. And he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them and if you withhold forgiveness from any it's withheld now thomas one of the 12 called the twin was not with them when jesus came so we recognize that first and foremost thomas is absent from this miraculous this miraculous appearance of jesus we see something about the resurrected jesus he is in bodily form yet he is not not held to the confines of time and space as we are. He finds himself magically, spiritually, amazingly, miraculously appearing in this room and saying, hello, everybody, I'm not dead. Could you imagine what that would be like for them? It tells us they were glad. We should be smiling on an Easter Sunday, amen? They're glad that Jesus has been resurrected. But verse 24 gives us a negative insight. Now, Thomas, one of the 12, called the twin, he wasn't with them. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But Thomas said to them, unless I see his hands on the mark of the nails and I place my finger to the mark of the nails and, and my hand into his side, I will never believe. Thomas is a skeptic. Now what's quite amazing about Thomas is that he wasn't the only one who was a skeptic. In fact, if you're here this morning, you may know some of the arguments that, that Jesus truly has not been resurrected. We shared some of these when we were in the Gospel of Mark several months back. There's the swoon theory. Jesus didn't die. He just fainted. That's all. There's the spirit theory. This is what Jehovah's Witnesses believe. That, that King Christ, as they would say, Jesus was put to death in the flesh, but he was resurrected as an invisible spirit creature. There's the hallucination theory. Jesus hypnotized his disciples. That one's fun. Him and that angel, Chris Angel guy. They... There's the stolen body theory. There's the wrong tomb theory. There's the mistaken identity theory. And my favorite, especially since it goes along with the text, is there's a twin theory. Jesus had a twin, just like Thomas. But this isn't the case. But what is the case? We know something about Thomas. If you'll remember, Thomas, 
as he walked with Jesus, there's a place in John chapter 11, when he walked with Jesus, as Jesus was alive, Jesus said, we need to go to Judea. And this was an amazing statement for Jesus to make because when he was last time in Judea, the Pharisees and the Sadducees tried to kill him. And so the disciples tell Jesus, no, let's not go back to Judea. They're waiting for you. They're waiting to kill you. But one of these individuals in the group of the disciples speaks up about this trip to Judea, and it's Thomas. And it tells us that Thomas said, this, this disciple said, let us go that we would die with him. Do you hear the words of Thomas in John chapter 11? He had seen enough of this Jesus to know that Jesus was worth dying for. Jesus is worth following. Let's go to Judea and let's die. What in the world has happened to Thomas? Why in the world is he doubting Thomas? Which, first of all, let's just be clear, that's kind of unfair, isn't it? That we call him doubting Thomas? We don't call Peter denying Peter. But Thomas is kind of known as this particular individual who has had doubts. And why does he have doubts? He's lost hope. He has seen his Savior die. He has seen Jesus on the cross, and he's lost all of his hope. But there's something about Thomas that I think, even though he's lost his hope, it's important for us to understand that it's okay. Like, if we're going to come to the place where, where we believe in the resurrected Jesus, which is essentially what we try to do on Easter, Easter's one of those Sundays that, that we like to kind of put off to the side as a special Sunday to preach the gospel that those who don't believe would believe. But if we're really, really honest, every single Sunday should be Easter Sunday for the Christian. The gospel should not just be proclaimed on Easter Sunday, but every single Sunday that Jesus Christ is alive and that he died on behalf of our sins and our impurities. And we celebrate this goodness week in and week out because he's worth it. And Jesus in John 14, he says, hey, listen to you. Listen, guys, don't let your hearts be troubled. Right? Remember, Thomas says, I'm willing to die for you. In John 14, Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my father's house, he says, there are many rooms. If it wasn't so, I would tell you. But I have to go that I can prepare a place for you. As he goes on and he says in this particular passage in John 14, I go to prepare a place for you. That's heaven, by the way. I'm looking forward to it. He says, I will come again. I will take you to myself. That where I am, you may be also. And you know the way where I am going. Do you hear what Jesus just said? Jesus said, listen, believe in me. Have faith in me. Put your salvation in my hands. Believe because I'm going to a particular place. And when I go to this place, I'm preparing a, a place for you. I'm preparing a mansion for you, a home for you in heaven. And he goes, you know the way to get there. And guess who speaks up? Thomas. Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? It's Thomas's question. It's Thomas's questions. It's Thomas's doubts that lead him to the resurrected Jesus. And here's what Jesus says on this question. Well, how do I know? Where are we going to go? This question causes Jesus to give us one of the most important theological answers we need in Scripture, which is this. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. 
if you had known me, you would know my father also. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. What, what, what is the takeaway from this? The takeaway this morning is if you want to actually know Jesus, if, if you are here and someone's brought you here, whether you're a husband or a wife or a friend or a girlfriend or a son or a daughter, you're here. And I would be amiss not to share with you that if you are honest with your doubts and you are honest with your questions and you're willing to ask Jesus hard questions, Jesus will be faithful to answer them. One of the worst things that we could do, one of the worst things that we could do in church is somehow train you or teach you that questions are not important, doubts are not important, you cannot have them. Faith is a journey, isn't it? There was a Sunday school teacher, speaking of being honest with your doubts, the Sunday school teacher was asking her students, her young children in class, she was asking them about the, the story of the Good Samaritan. Remember that story of the man who was left by the side of the road dying? And the teacher asked her class, if you saw this man on the side of the road dying, bleeding, and he was beaten. I mean, that's what happened, right? This guy was, was taken off to the side of the road. He was beaten. He was left there basically, kind of basically to die. And the Good Samaritan, we know, came and healed him. But, but this is the question that was being asked. If, if you, young child, saw this particular man on the side of the road, and he was dying, and he was beat up, what would you do? What would be your reaction? And a little girl in the room rose her, her hand up high, and she said, I think I'd throw up. <laughs> she was honest. Thomas could have been that student. Right? You, you need to be honest who you are. That is the first gateway to the gospel. Honest about your life. This is what Christians call confession. To confess your doubt, to confess your sin, to confess your mistakes. That is how we get to the resurrected Jesus. Not by perfection and not with perfect knowledge, but questioning who is this Jesus? Thomas was a skeptic. And do you sense this in your life? That all of the status you can get, all of the education that you may have, all of the materialism that you get, all of that isn't enough to satisfy you. You have to be honest about the world that we live in. It's falling apart. I don't care what side of the political party you're on. Our world is not headed towards awesomeness. It seems to be getting harder and harder to be American, harder and harder to be a Christian. Have you been honest about your past, honest about your desires, honesty? Coming to Christ, having this confession, as 1 John tells us, confess your sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. But Thomas needed a rational explanation, a reasonable explanation, because at this point, Thomas no longer believes. In fact, if you look at the text in the original language, when he says, I will not believe, it is emphatic. He's like doubling down and doubling down. I simply won't believe. And here's the good news this morning. There is empirical evidence of Jesus. I'll give you three. They may not be sufficient for some of you, but I'll give you three. No one in the history of the world has had as much impact on human history as Jesus. Period. You can't argue it. No one has had the impact on human history like Jesus. Second way we can know, his claims either make him a liar, a lunatic, or a lord. Right? I, either he lied about being God, or he was crazy, or he's actually who he said he was. Here's the third one. All of the 
countless prophecies in the Old Testament that were written hundreds of years prior into the New Testament. There's at least three. There's so many others. And this doubt that he carries, he wants empirical evidence. He's, I'm not going to believe until I can actually put my fingers into the hole in his hands and into the hole in his eye. Here's something interesting. He knew that, that that would still be there. And in part, I think he knew because the disciples said, we saw Jesus and we saw the wounds. The resurrected Jesus still, even today in heaven, as he sits next to the right hand of the Father, still has these wounds in his hands to remind us of the price paid to forgive our sins. And the disciples said, we saw the wounds. And, and, and Thomas said, nope, not going to believe it unless I touch it myself. And how many days did Thomas go on with this lack of belief and this doubt? Look at verse 25. Eight days later, the disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Eight days. Right? How many, how many of these guys are there? Well, at this point, there's 11 of them. The 12th one has fallen off. That's Judas. So there's 10. There's 10 in the room along with the 11. That's Thomas. 10 that believe. 10 that are celebrating for eight days. Can you imagine the excitement for those guys for eight days? Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. I saw this dude die. I saw him bleed. I saw him suffer. I saw him cry out, oh my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's alive. And Thomas is going, eh. Do you have anyone like that in your life? This Jesus, eight days, eight days of doubting, maybe even some of this doubt crept into some of the other disciples. Well, I don't know, maybe. I, I, I don't know. And Thomas is inside these locked doors. He's safe with the other disciples, which is exactly what people do when they don't have hope. They lock themselves in their house for self-preservation. And what ends up happening to society is they have a lack of meaning and a lack of purpose. There's no meaningfulness in their life. This locked room has no life in it for Thomas. I came across this, uh, the way the world views humanity and human life. There's a quote that I came across from an atheistic website, and it's a young gal, and this is her quote from this webpage. I'm confused. I've always believed that science would be the cure-all for my problems. But I don't know if I can keep living without eternal life. I guess I'll just have to find a way myself to make it through this meaningless existence. I just wish I knew of someone who could show me the path to eternal life. Do you hear it? This is an atheist website, an atheist young woman, and she's confessing to an atheistic world, my life has no meaning. I wish someone could show me a path. She goes on and says, if science can't provide the answers, though, then who or what can? And then she writes. She sighs. Doesn't it seem... Doesn't it seem like there's a higher power that gives our life purpose? She's so close. Maybe that's you this morning. That's where Thomas is so close. She has that. Doesn't it seem like there's a higher power that gives our life purpose? 
And then here's how she ends her quote. Well, science says there isn't, and so there isn't. No hope. No resurrection. No forgiveness of sins. And no salvation for her. No salvation for anyone who believes that Jesus has not resurrected from the dead. Everything hinges on his resurrection. That's what Corinthians says. If he has not been raised from the dead, we misrepresent God. And our faith is futile and we should be pitied. But our hope should rise, my friends. This Easter, let your hope be resurrected. Because inside of this locked room, it tells us after eight days, after eight days of doubting, eight days of wondering, eight days of questioning, eight days maybe of mocking his fellow friends that Jesus truly has not been resurrected from the dead, he finds himself with his friends in a locked room. And again, Jesus comes into this room, declares to his disciples again, Peace be with you. That's part of the gospel message. That in the midst of a life that is crazy and awkward and weird, you can have peace. Who needs more peace this morning? I know I do. And so what does Jesus say? He appears to Thomas. Thomas is in the absence of hope, absence of joy, absence of grace. And Jesus steps into the room and he said to Thomas, Imagine the tension in the locked room. Can you just imagine? Because everybody knows the first appearance was for the, f- the first 10 disciples. This appearance is for Thomas. Heard you talking about me. My ears were itching. Check it out. Put your hand in there. Well, that's not sufficient. Here, you know the, the place where the spear was shoved up under my ribcage into my heart? Go ahead. It's right here. And Thomas touches him, and Thomas says out loud as he puts his finger into the side, he says, my Lord and my God. He comes to a place of belief. Now here's something I think is important. If you need more hope and you want resurrection and you want new life, I think that there's a teaching moment here, especially for those of us that, 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 that maybe only come to church every so often. Can you imagine what the disciples were feeling for the first eight days, what they were feeling in the room? Because some of you probably feel it right now, and some of you have said it to me over the years. I've heard this so many times over the years. That was such a wonderful message. I wish so-and-so was here to hear it. I'm sure the disciples were in the same place. If I wish Thomas was here. Could you imagine if Thomas was here? And here's the deal. Thomas missed out because he wasn't in fellowship. Thomas missed out the first time because he wasn't hanging out with Christians. He missed out on so much. And that, that's part of how do we get to this resurrected place? You need fellowship with other believers. Fellowship with others who are going to strengthen your faith. Don't miss out. Be around to ask questions. Thomas was isolated. He was an out-of-fellowship Christian. Some of you are that this morning. You might call Thomas a believer, but he's not a belonger. And people who are isolationists, they don't stay in regular fellowship. And when that happens, they become pessimistic like Thomas over time. Brittle, hardened, hard-boiled, if you will. And they miss out on so much. That's the next thing. If you... If you want to know the resurrected Jesus, you've got to be around resurrected believers. 
Because resurrected believers have a testimony to share with you of the awesome beautifulness of God. In this room are individuals who have overcome addiction, overcome sin, overcome all kinds of things. You know, we, I've made much over the, uh, over the last couple years of uh, Siobhan, who owns Wagon Train. I don't know if she's in the service or not, but, um, you know, she, she doesn't close her restaurant except for Easter Sunday. So she told me on Good Friday that down at Wagon Train, it's closed, so you can't get breakfast. Too bad. And in the window are the seven sayings of Jesus from Friday night with, an ad, with our address to the church if you... If you need a good meal, go to SBC. (laughs) And here's the deal. Thomas finds healing in the midst of his doubt, and so can you. Thomas, Thomas finds salvation in the midst of his doubt. Jesus says, touch me. And Jesus touches his wounds. And this, again, is a fulfillment of prophecy. It tells us that by our wounds, by his wounds, we're healed. Thomas's doubt is healed by touching the wounds of Jesus. And Jesus is in this room in spite of closed doors. Your heart may seem locked to the Lord this morning, but that doesn't mean he can't get in there. Jesus can go literally where no one else can go. Jesus can reach you and he can reach into you at any given time. There's no depth of your heart that he can't go. He can go where a counselor can't go. He can go where a doctor can't go. He can go where a lover can't go. Only God can go there. And the encouragement this morning is to be like Thomas, to be in this room, to reach out your hands and to touch the Messiah, that your faith would rise up. You know, there's something interesting that's in the text that, that, that sometimes we miss is, is his name is called Thomas of what? Didymus. Thomas Didymus. Do you know what that, that word means? Some of your texts actually translate for you. Twin. Thomas has a twin. Who's the twin? We don't know. Is that there because maybe you're the twin? Are you listening? Are you like Thomas? Are you not near? Are you far off? Will you be, be made close? And in spite of this, Jesus comes in and he has Thomas touch him in the side and he has Thomas touch his hands. And Thomas comes to this place where, where he says, my Lord and my God. You know, that's the title of salvation. That's how you get to salvation. You have to make Jesus your Lord and your God. You know what's really quite amazing? Some of us say, okay, I don't know, man. I, I want to believe. I mean, it's, it's quite amazing to me to see the journey that Thomas has been on, and I'm hoping some of you be on that journey as well. Right? Just, just a few days earlier, Thomas is saying, I'm not going to believe any of this. I think this is garbage. I may go to church one day, but I'm not coming the next day. I'm not going to make my life out of this. I, I, I don't really need this whole thing. And now all of a sudden, Thomas who was at the lowest of the lows, he was full of disbelief and despair. And now in a few days, he is saying to Jesus, you are my Lord and you are my God. Jesus literally took, if you will, Thomas from Eeyore to Tigger. (laughs) I mean, that's literally what happened to Thomas in the span of just moments. 
And this morning, Jesus wants to do this, the same. He wants to give you peace. He wants to give you power to do all the things that other mere humans can't do, like defeating your own selfishness, giving you the ability to love people that are unlovable, giving you the ability to treasure Christ above all things, above alcohol, above drugs, above, above pornography, above any of the world's fancies. This is why Jesus came. And you know what tradition tells us of Thomas? That in 72 AD, that Thomas later would have a stake driven through his stomach as he shared the gospel. See, Christ is always present in our faith. And he's always present even in our doubts. And faith is not having perfect faith, my friends. If you're here this morning, you're saying, I have to believe perfectly to come to salvation. That's not what this is all about. Faith is a journey to the destination of Jesus. Faith pushes through doubt. That's what faith does. Faith helps us get past that place of, well, Jesus really doesn't love me. Jesus would never love a guy like me. Do you know how many times over the years I've heard people say, I can't come to church because if I come to church, I'll be struck by lightning. I literally have known individuals who will not come into these doors because they're afraid that God will strike them dead. Is that you this morning? You're probably sitting in the back. <laughs> Quick exit. Just in case, right? Can I just share with you once again, nothing special about this building. The Holy Spirit resides in believers. The church is not because of the four walls, the church is a living, breathing thing that is made up of humans just like you, just like Thomas and just like Peter. And what do we learn from people like Thomas and like Peter? We learn that Jesus loves us in spite of us. And that Jesus is willing to come into my locked doors of my heart, into the locked doors of the places that I don't think he will go, and he will come right into there, and, and his words will not be condemnation, but his words will be peace be to you. And you can open up your heart this morning and you can have peace with God. Your sins can be forgiven. And the key to salvation is not your good deeds. It's Jesus' good deeds. It's his good work. My friends, you have the opportunity to know this Christ, to know him like I know him. And, and Peter's, or not Peter, but, but Jesus goes on. He says, put your fingers here, put your hands here, hand, place it on my side. And then what is Jesus' encouragement after he touches him? Do not believe believe faith alone and thomas answered him my lord and my god and this listen we're going to close in just a few minutes have you believed because you've seen me? then he goes and says blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed do you know what jesus is saying it's really really cool it's so cool because what he's saying is, blessed are you, Thomas, you believe because you see. But blessed are all those who've never seen me and believe. You know what Jesus is telling Thomas? It is unnecessary for you to have to actually touch the wounds to believe. Salvation doesn't come because you actually see the physical Jesus. You can have salvation because you can sense Jesus pursuing you and knowing you. Because he exists in spirit form as well. That's the Holy Spirit. And Jesus right now, whether you see him or not, is in this room. And for some of you, he's calling you to a deeper place. 
He's calling you to faith. He's calling you to salvation. And he's calling you to a better way of life, a better way than the world could ever offer you. And the question this morning is, will you believe or will you continue to lack faith? Will you be a doubting Thomas that moves from doubt to faith? Or will you stay in your locked room, lonely, isolated, with no hope and no salvation? Gift before you at Easter and the gift before you every Sunday is to keep asking questions because Jesus will answer them. And as the worship team comes forward and they come and they sing, I want to give you that opportunity this morning. And so I'll just give you a heads up. We've done this before and, and in part it's, uh, it, it's a way for, for us to know, hey, we want to pray for you. We want to connect with you. And we want to know and give you an opportunity to make that declaration that Jesus Christ is your Savior and that you can put your faith in this resurrected Lord. And if that's you this morning, I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm not going to ask you to do any of those things. I'm just going to ask everyone in the room right now if you would, would just do me a favor and if everyone could just bow their heads and pray. And as you bow your heads and pray, some of you in this room maybe have never had someone say, you know what, today is a day that you can have salvation. You can be guaranteed that you, that, that, that you can have a relationship with God and that salvation is for you. Right? And it doesn't come with you having to do all kinds of weird things. Right? It, salvation doesn't come because you raised your hand. Salvation doesn't come because you said a particular prayer. Salvation doesn't come because you walked up to the front of the stage. Salvation comes by faith and faith alone upon Jesus and Jesus alone. If you want to be saved this morning, by saved I mean if you want a relationship with the God of the universe who died for your sins, would you pray this prayer with me? Again, it's not a prayer that saves you. It's, it's the faith that's in the prayer. Even the exact words aren't as important as the object of what you're having faith in. So if that's you this morning and you want to pray, Lord, I need you in my life. And I want to walk away from all of the ways that the world has been teaching me to live and to get my happiness. And I want to go to you for that. Lord, I know that my faith may never be perfect, but I know you're perfect, and I know that you'll love me even in the midst of my doubt. And so I come to you, even with doubt, knowing that you will prove yourself to me. Help my faith push through. I believe in you, Jesus, that you are the Son of God, that you died on the cross for my sins, that I could have eternal life with you, that you took all of my sin and you gave me all of your righteousness. I want to believe in you. Help my belief. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just do me a favor, keep your heads bowed. And if you said that prayer, I just want you to look up at me and just acknowledge. God bless you. I see you. Thank you. Just raise your head. Yep. God bless you. Thank you. Appreciate it. God bless you. Thank you. Lord, we thank you for those who have lifted their heads and have made that request, Lord, to know you. I pray if they're from Truckee, they would plug into a great church here locally to grow in you, if they're not from here, that they would find a good church that teaches the Bible and teaches Jesus and teaches his grace. Not religion, not man's ways, but just you, Lord. Bring that life to our friends this morning. and Thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you give a hand for those who made that decision to follow the Lord this morning? <clears throat>
So as we close, I want you to know that, that next week we start a new sermon series out of Ephesians, which is our identity in Christ. And if you are willing to dive into this place of faith and go through the bumpy road of what it looks like to be a Christian, Ephesians is a great place to go. I just want to invite you back. I want to invite you back to know Christ. Not my teachings and my opinions, but I want you back here so that you can grow in your faith. And, and if you want to grow even further, please just myself or Brad's one of our pastors. This is another Brad. We've got a big Brad. We've got a little Brad. We're, look at, we're looking to hire a medium Brad, but we haven't found one yet. Uh, there's a few others around here with name tags and stuff. Marley's on staff, and, and we're here to help you. We're here to assist you. We're here to guide you. And, and that even includes throughout the week. Our offices are open basically six days a week to serve you, to love you, and to serve our community. And so if you need help or assistance or counseling, man, it's always kind of a loaded shotgun to tell you that, right? Hey, if you need counseling, we're here for you. And we are. And, and that kind of continues to ramp up over time, but we want you to grow in your faith. And afterwards, we got some food for you next door if you want some food. Got a little photo booth out here. Someone's taking pictures, but we want to invite you to continue to celebrate the rest of this day. Don't hang out too long because I'm pretty sure the 1030 service is going to be completely packed and there are going to be people, sinners who don't know Jesus, who need your parking space. Okay? <laughs> God bless you. Let's sing and let's celebrate Jesus. He has risen. Let's stand together, family. Alleluia Alleluia For the Lord God Almighty
that stone was moved for good, for the Lamb would conquer death. And the dead rose from their tombs, and the angels stood in awe, for the souls of all who come to the Father of the soul. And the church of Christ was born, when the Spirit of the flame, good amen? amen hey we love you guys have a great easter enjoy your families and friends go grab a bite to eat blessings to you take care
Check, check. One, two, one, two, one, two. You have a reading on your stream and everything too? Check, check, check.
Turning tragedy to triumph, turning agony to praise. There is blessing in the battle, so take heart and stand amazed. Rejoice when you cry to him, he hears your voice. He will wipe away your tears. Rejoice in the midst of suffering. can see the promised land Though there's pain within the plan There is victory in the end Your love is my battle cry When my fear is like Jericho Build the walls around my soul When my heart is overthrown For all my life 
So Jesus, Jesus, how I trust you, how I prove you more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for Christ to trust you. One more time, let's say
much of the name above all names. Creation cries out in every knee bows. Jesus, we crown you, O Lord our Your home to seek out the lost. 
Jesus, your face was set. I worked my fingers down to the bone, but nothing I did could ever atone. But Jesus, you paid my debt. By your blood, I have redemption and salvation. Lord, you died that I might reap what you have sown. And you rose that I might be a new creation. I am born again by grace and grace alone. I was in darkness all of my life I never knew the day from the night but spirit you made me see and I swore I knew the way on my own a head full of rocks a heart made of stone but spirit you moved in me and at your touch my sleeping spirit was awakened
Though the tears may fall, my song will rise, my song will rise to you. Though my heart may fail, my song will rise, my song will rise to you. While there's breath in my lungs, I will praise you, Lord. In the dead of night, I'll lift my eyes, I'll lift my eyes to you. Though the waters rise, I'll lift my eyes, I'll lift my eyes to you. While there's hope in this heart, I will praise you.
speaks a better word Speaking life over me It's rewriting my history It covers me with destiny Yes it does It's making all things right The precious blood of Christ It's rewriting my history Yeah, yeah It covers me with destiny Oh, it's making all things right It's making all things right The precious blood of Christ It's rewriting my history
We've seen what you can do, oh God of wonders, your power has no end. The things you've done before, in greater measure, you will do again, cause there's no prison wall you can't break through. And you can't move all things are possible And there's no broken body you can't raise No soul that you can't save All things are possible The darkest night you can light it up 